guys uh, stand. Uh, I'm going to read some scripture. I'm going to say a few things, and then we will pray. So when I'm done reading scripture, don't feel like you have to sit down uh, right away. Uh, we're going to be in 1 John uh, today, chapter 1. And John, who's like the Casanova of the disciples, he's the uh, lover boy uh, disciple, if you will, spent time with Jesus, walked with Jesus, uh, was there, the only disciple there at the cross, and he writes these words. This is the message we heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in, in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him, a close relationship with him, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, anybody know that old song? Okay. Uh, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is what? Faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. That's the God we adore. To cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his words are not in us. We are in this series on prayer, looking, kind of working through an acronym uh, called ACTS, Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, and Supplication. Last week, we looked at adoration. You guys were reading songs throughout the week. This week, we're looking at confession. Here's the way that we could define confession according to the Google, a formal statement admitting that one is guilty of a crime. Now, that's one definition. We're going to look at a, a definition kind of throughout this whole morning. Uh, but this is something that we should be able to do in the church, right? Like, if we look at the church at large, not just Wellspring, we'd have to be honest that the church at large isn't doing this. It's like we have the, the, the Catholic version of confession or no confession at all. But we all walk in here in need of Dr. Jesus as broken people. So this should be the safest place in the world to confess sin because there's an equal ground for all of us. We call our values that we want every follower of Jesus to pursue endless growth values. You can see them on the screen. Why do we call them endless growth values? Because every single one of us wakes up every single morning with Jesus handing us a report card that says, N-I, needs improvement. Every single one of us, whether you've been a Christian for 55 years or you said yes to Jesus five minutes ago, guess what? We're still far from living like Jesus. And so this should be the safest place in the world to confess sin. Let's pray. God, this morning I pray that you speak to all of us, Lord. Father, those that are coming in that are coming in here uh, in a sense of routine, habit. Father, those that are guilted in with a, a, by a mom or a grandma or a dad, Father, those that are dragged along, those that were driving and just showed up. I don't know, but Father, I do know that your spirit is for all, wants to embody all of us, and for those that have your spirit, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, would you speak to us, each of us uniquely, wherever we're at. 
Would today be more than a Sunday? Would these be more than words, more than song? Father, would this be more because you are more? We love you in your name. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Uh, we were looking at adoration uh, this past week, and uh, you guys were reading songs of ador- uh, Psalms of Adoration. And uh, as I was preparing for this, I, I was, I, I, again, like you guys know that I, I walk and I pray for the sermons and whatnot, and usually I'm walking with my dog, and so my dog has a way to w- get into the sermons. Uh, my dog adores me. Uh, I have a 120-pound black lab, uh, which sounds like a fat dog. Uh, and people tell him he's fat, and I'm like, well, he has feelings. Uh, so, uh, but he is. He's a fat dog. And, uh, and so uh, on October 31st, uh, about 15 pounds of temptation uh, entered into our house in the form of wrapped candy. Uh, and so uh, there was a whole slew of temptation, and, and we saw my dog was getting like the... Like a little little barfy, uh, which Ava handles super well, uh, and uh, and so then he becomes my dog, anyways. So, anyways, he's going out to the backyard and he keeps going to the same spot, and we are like, oh, creature of habit. As a dog returns to his vomit, the psalmist writes here, or the proverb Solomon wrote uh, in the in the proverbs. And so I was like, okay. And so he goes to the same spot over and over again, and we find these wrappers. My idiot dog had been grabbing uh, candy in his mouth, bringing it outside, putting it outside to have a snack for later. Super smart and what an idiot, right? And I, so he adores me. And so whenever I have to punish him, he does not handle that super well. And so this is how we punished him. We put him in his cage and I put the wrappers right outside his cage for him to stare at while he heard us inside the house. Now that is torture. That is wrong. If you are Peter Petter, whatever, whatever, you're going to call me out and whatnot. Whatever. My dog hasn't done it since. Okay. Now, that's kind of, you know, funny, harmless, whatnot. My dog follows me around. A good relationship with my dog. Okay. Whatever. Sounds super lame coming out my mouth. <laughs> Aren't we thankful God doesn't handle our sin like that? <laughs> Aren't we thankful that we can go to God with our sins and not be fearful of being locked up in a cage having to stare at our sin? See, you and I walk in here with that tension. God is so good, so right, all that is good, and we are so not. And yet we lie. We, we walk in here like our poop don't stink. We walk in here like, I'm good, or man, I hope so-and-so hears this sermon, but I'm good. We walk in here as if we don't need to, ha- to be a little bit more like Jesus, and so we lie to ourselves and we deceive ourselves. We have no shortage of sin to confess. And yet the church is short on confession, isn't it? Today, I want to look at Jesus Christ. I want to look at the type of person he is and how we can bring him our sin. All of that is broken with us. All that is hurting our relationship with him. And through confession, as we unpack that, I want us to understand how that actually builds a stronger relationship. And so we're going to look at, again, 1 John uh, chapter uh, 1. And let me just read again to us uh, verse 1. It says, or verse 5, forgive me. Uh, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. That my God is complete light. That we are not complete light. That you and I uh, don't have uh, any light in us outside of the light 
that, that God provides, that God is, is more than just a source of light. God is light. That is who he is. That is his makeup. That is his being, that he is light. You don't walk into a dark room without a light and expect the dark room to be illuminated. Didn't doc, Dr. Martin Luther King, that was one of the things that he said. He said this, uh, is that darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. If you walk into a dark room and you want the, the darkness to be gone, you get a flashlight and you shine it around and that illuminates. God is light. What this verse tells me is the best I can be is a reflector. That I can walk into a room as a reflector and I can have light bounce off of me to bring light to the room. That you and I are walking around as reflectors, not that we are light, but that he is light and his light shines off of us. Amen. And so who is the source of light? God. So what we're going to look at today is how we are not the light. Here's our big thought, is that all that's right is because he's the light. Super simple, right? Super, super, we cannot, we understand that. We can say amen to that. But now we have to walk and understand that the God in which we adore sheds light onto what's missing inside of us. And so the first thought, the first point is simply this, that uh, all that's right is because he is the light Prove it. Our actions prove that we are not the light. Here's where he goes. Here's where John goes with this in 1 John 1, 6 through 7. Uh, if we say that we have fellowship, if we say that we have a very close relationship with God, well, we walk in darkness. Ouchie. We lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, uh, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from some sin. <laughs> all of it. That he's big enough to handle all of it. All of it. You and I can walk around as if we do not have sin, but we lie. That he is complete light and that we have darkness inside of us. That you and I have this tension that we, that we walk around claiming a close relationship with Jesus Christ, but yet there's things in our lives that prove that might be a lie. We claim, I am so close with God, but yet I'm doing X. I'm doing Y. I'm doing Z. I claim this close relationship with God, but if you looked at my bank account, but if you looked at my calendar, if you look at every place my car is driving, if you look at where the DM was sent or what was said, if you look at every part of my life, you might find out that I'm fronting a close relationship with God. But then uh, the antithesis of this is something beautiful. Like God makes, like says it right here. It's beautiful. Let's not dwell just there. Let's dwell on the, the positive too. He says, if you talk about having a close relationship with God and then you live that way, guess what? You have a close relationship with God. He says that he's, he's able to cleanse you from all sin. 
So a healthy relationship with God Almighty is a, health, is a relationship where you and I understand that we have darkness inside of us and we are perpetually bringing our darkness to God and he's cleansing us and it's building that relationship that every day we're bringing to him what is flawed inside of us and it's actually building a healthier relationship. See, as Christians, we should be able to say, let me read for us Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children that you're loved, that you are a child of God. And then what are we to do? Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up as a fragrant offering and sacrifice of God. That what ha- okay, so we're supposed to walk the way of love, and if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes we don't act so loving. Here's, here's what I think uh, John is trying to point out for us today. Two words. First is sometimes what we say and what we do leads to a contradiction. Here's what, how we would define contradiction, a combination of statements, ideas, features, situations that are opposed to one another, a person, thing, or situation which is inconsistent. Elements are present. That you and I, we read God's word. We look at God as, as a fragrant offering, a, a being of love. We understand that. We understand how awesome Jesus is. We'll sing how much we adore God, but then we'll live like we don't adore him. And there's a contradiction there. John doesn't really paint this picture, but as I think of it, I think there's another C word at play. Compromise. Here's how we would define compromise. An agreement or settlement, or just, okay, that one now. Accepting of standards that are lower than is desirable. That you and I understand what God wants us to do. Like, tell somebody who's in sin that they're sinning, and they're like, deep down they kind of know, right? (laughs) called a conscience. And we know this, and yet we compromise. An example of not compromising would be David, King David, when he's supposed to be king, but King Saul is still on the throne, and so he's, the, he's, the, he's supposed to be the next king. And so King Saul is chasing him around. And David with his mighty men. Mighty men is a way of saying, like, D- David hung with some dudes that could wreck some stuff up. And he's hiding in a cave as King Saul is trying to find him. King Saul walks in to take a leak. It looks like, David, come on, your enemy is at hand. This, is, this must be God. Kill him. What does David do? It looks like it could be God. God's delivered him, so let me just run my sword right through him and end this. But David's like, nah. It seems that way, but. So he cuts off a little corner of the robe, goes out there and says, oh, I could have killed you, but I didn't. And King Saul's like, you are so much more righteous than me. That's an example of not compromising. But then there was David's son, Solomon, who would eventually take the throne. He was rich. He was powerful. He was wise until he really loved the ladies. It's amazing how love for somebody else can get us to compromise, compromise, compromise. And so Solomon started to compromise, and the, and the kingdom was torn from it. The kingdom split, and, and it was a whole bunch of garbage then for the, for the next generations of, of Israel because of compromise after compromise after compromise. I, I saw this the other week when we, when we brought that wheelbarrow in here. We did communion together, and we walked through John chapter 8. You know what I wrote on one of my, I had two different walks that I wrote on. The first one that I wrote was the word impulsive. You know why I wrote on that rock, impulsive? because I have an impulsive nature. And that week, 
Uh, Ava and I have been saying like, hey, we're going to be really tight on money, tight on money, tight on money. We're going we're gonna to be smart. We're going to be smart. We're going to be smart. Money's another way to compromise uh, what you believe and whatnot. And so I wake up Monday morning. I turn on, the, I, I go on my phone. I look at the news and all of a sudden I start freaking out in my spirit. There's a lot going on around the world. There was rumors that, hey, could this be in the U.S.? And so in my impulsive nature, Monday morning, I start in my own right, four in the morning, everybody else in the house is asleep. I start freaking out. Spent money on things that I didn't need to spend money on. <laughs> I thought it was, you know, just to like help my house out. <laughs> but Ava and I had made a promise that we weren't going to do that without talking to each other. I didn't talk to her. <laughs> I just did it. So then Wednesday morning comes along, I've read my, the Bible, she's read the Bible, and it comes time for her and I to pray, and I'm like, yo, before we pray, I gotta confess something to you. And I just saw it in her face, like, oh my gosh. So I told her, I had already confessed it to God, and we just walked through it together, and, and, and we had a beautiful time of prayer, and, and, uh, and she's moved out of the house. No, no. <laughs> She just died a million deaths in the front row. <laughs> no, we're, we're stronger. We're better. But in the moment, I had compromised, and I had to bring that sin to Ava. Now, in a healthy relationship, compromise is good, right? In a healthy relationship, there are going to be times where Ava and I talk to each other, and like, compromise will make us stronger. But then there's other portions of compromise that are not good. Like, you and I should not compromise. You and I are not looking to God, and God's not saying, hey, let's find a compromise on sin. He's looking at us and saying, you are to have no relationship with sin. Zero. There are, is no compromise here. I cannot go to Ava and say, Ava, I used to date so many girls. And so instead of dating a girl every single weekend, let's compromise twice a year. She's never going to handle a conversation like that well. <laughs> Nor should she. And yet this is how we look to God and say, God, you're going to understand. God, you're gonna, I adore you so much. You're going to be so okay when your child willfully walks in sin. Do we adore him enough to deal with this today? The second point that, that uh, John makes here is, uh, is this. Uh, that, all that's right is because he's the light. Our actions prove that we are not the light. Our words prove uh, that we are not the light. Here's what John says. Uh, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. You ain't fooling anybody but yourself. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is, praise God, faithful. He is, praise God, just to do what? Forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Now, Paul, or Paul, John is not painting so much a contradiction here because what is here is pretty obvious. He's pretty crystal clear and you and I don't have to dig deep into the Greek or anything like that. It's crystal clear. If you walk in here saying, I don't got no sin, you're tripping. If you're sitting here like, I hope so-and-so is listening. You're tripping. If you're in here saying, this sermon is not for me, you're tripping. <laughs> this is for all of us. What does it say in Romans? 
Let's go to Romans. Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 12 uh, says, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one, seeks, uh, no one seeks for God. We have all turned aside together and we have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Now, come on, that's harsh. But remember how perfect God is and how you and I and every little thing tend to screw up, even the best of things. So John is, again, making it clear that this is a conversation for all of us. And what do we do? We take, we confess what is the mess that is me, and we bring it to God in confession. And what does God do? He meets us in that place because he's faithful, he's just, he's loving, he's merciful. Isn't that at the core of the gospel message? That you and I can bring our words, our actions, and bring them to God and not sit in a cage staring at our sin, but actually grow and get stronger and have a closer relationship with God. Didn't you walk in here saying, I want a closer relationship with God? You may not have verbalized that, but you're here because you want to be closer with God. And so confession is a pathway towards that place. Broken humanity is just that. Humanity has a brokenness to it. I, I, uh, I, I know I, I walk in here and I'm, I'm dressed like I'm a guy that, can, that knows how to change his oil. Um, and I'm sure if I YouTubed it, I could figure it out. Uh, so I go to Midas uh, and they change uh, my oil uh, for a real good rate. I know some of you are dying a million deaths inside right now, but... I, you know, whatever, that's what I do. So I go to Midas, and this is a situation that happens to me all the time. Uh, I walk into Midas, and a, a guy walks in from the shop in, into where like, I'm paying and like saying whatnot, and he starts freaking out and was like, said a whole bunch of words. And then he looks at me as if he didn't realize a customer was there, and he says, oh man, I'm sorry. And then kept doing it. <laughs> it happens all the time. <laughs> And I, like, I, I hate when people find out that I'm a pastor and then like change how they talk. But yet, but yet like the antithesis is like someone will hear that I'm a pastor and then they won't change like anything. Like they'll just say a whole bunch of crazy nonsense. And the worst is when like my kids are with me and it's like, you, you did hear I'm a pastor. <laughs> you do see my eight-year-old daughter and you're saying, what? You know? My, and it's like words that don't line up with belief is something that we all see, right? Like, like teachers, you say one thing, but you do another. It's kind of like the concept here. It's like my daughter, she's like, hey, who should we pray for? Well, let's pray for so-and-so because he curses at recess and he doesn't know Jesus. It's always like this, this boy curses, and so let's pray for him. That This is part of broken humanity, that you and I have words oftentimes that do not match what we actually believe. And so we are to confess that sin to God and trust that he's going to meet us in that place and guide us towards a healthier, more fruitful relationship with him. And yet we, again, walk around and say we adore God, but then treat it as if he won't care about what we are doing. He's not that type of God. How serious is my God about sin? For God so loved the world, he sent his one and only son to leave us in sin? No. Jesus his death and resurrection shows me two amazing things. That my God is very, very serious about sin. And he's very, very serious about me. Both at the cross. 
is dealing with sin and proving beyond a shadow of, the, of a doubt that my God is wildly in love with you. And a God who is wildly in love with you invites you to confess sin. What, is, what does confessing sin mean? What does confess mean? It means to be on the same page. That's the, the most literal definition of confession is to be on the same page. So that when you and I confess our sin, what we're saying to God is, there's a thing in my life that is broken. I'm confessing it as sin. God, you and I are on the same page. We see this the same way. This in me is not good. Now, it's, it's confession. Do we really mean that if we, hey, this is sin, I'm going to keep doing it. Hey, this is sin, so I'm going to redefine. This is sin, so I'm going to justify. This is sin, so I am going to excuse. This is sin, we know it, but God, certainly you understand. He understands full well because he went to the cross because of it. And he wants us to bring it to him, be on the same page as him, and walk forward differently. So we can live delusionally, like we have this close relationship with God that we can do whatever we want, or we can live in the reality that I can bring my sin to God and he's going to guide me forward. So what have we said uh, today? We've said two, two things. All that's right is because he, uh, he's the light. Our actions prove that we're not the light. Our words prove that we are not the light. Okay, so we have stuff. Now we're going to bring it to God. He's loving. He's going to meet us in that place. He's merciful. He's caring. He's, he's all of those things. Awesome. Are we going to do it? Will you find God to be merciful? Because here's how what the enemy wants to do right now in this moment. The Holy Spirit has perhaps brought things to mind in your life right now that you need to deal with today. The enemy wants you to live there. The Holy Spirit wants you to confess it and move on. Jesus does not look at your sin and think, shocker. <laughs> Didn't see that coming. <laughs> but it also doesn't mean that we live there. We live a new life in Jesus Christ when we move beyond those things. Whenever I would get in trouble as a high school kid, uh, the type of trouble where your, your, your mom would look at you and be like, stop being a delinquent, that type of trouble, uh, we would have to read uh, this book. Uh, all my brothers, my brothers and I, all had to read uh, David uh, by Chuck Swindoll, a case study. On, uh, on the life of King David. And uh, David, a man after God's own heart. Uh, David, uh, a guy who would be the greatest king in Israel. Uh, what a blessing it would be that Jesus would come from the line of David and royalty and uh, all of these good things. And, and yet when you read about the life of David, you realize that David did some, also did some heinous things. Like, I'm talking about the greatness of David, but whether you know this or not, let me just tell you, David woke up one morning when all the other kings were at war fighting for their countries. David's not supposed to be where he's at. Have you been there? Not supposed to be where you're currently at physically? And David's sleeping until like noontime. He's not at work. He's earned his, the right to step back and to compromise. He's earned the right to not do certain things. 
And so he's there, he goes out midday, looks out at the balcony, and he sees a girl bathing. And David likes what he sees. He calls her in and he abuses power. Was it consensual? Was it not? Who knows? But at the very least, it was an abuse of power. They have sex. She gets pregnant. And oh goodness, what is David going to do? He's the king of Israel. He's really close with God. And he's done this thing that he thought was going to be a very private thing. And here she is with a bump while her husband is off doing what he should be doing. Fighting a battle. So David calls him home and just says, hey, go sleep with your wife. Go sleep with your wife. That will cover it up. But the guy is so just and so good that he doesn't go home and sleep with his wife because all of his friends are off fighting and he's like, no, that would just be an insult to those that are actually doing the thing. So David's like, all right, I'll get you drunk. And when you're drunk, you'll get all loosey. Well, he does get, you know, all of that things, but he falls asleep at the gate and doesn't go home and sleeps with his wife. And so he just sends him on with a note that says, put this guy Uriah at the front line so he dies. And that guy brings his death note to the commander and then goes to the front line and he does indeed die. David, through his power, murders the husband. It's a big old cover-up and a few months later, the prophet comes to him and tells a story that David gets just enraged about. And when the prophet looks at him and says, you see all that anger? Through this this, uh, this fictional story, you're that guy. You're the one that really screwed this up. Your relationship with God is so hurt. You know how you hurt a relationship? One compromise at a time. And so then we have these words that are on your seat, and I want to read them to us. You know how you become a man of integrity even with your flaws? Because you all have flaws, right? We've, I think, clearly established that. <laughs> Me too. You know how you do that? You go the route of a contrite heart. Here's how we would, because that word's going to be in here. Contrite means this. A state of feeling remorseful, penitent. It's also a Catholic word. The repentance of past sins during or after confession. How ironic, right? <laughs> That you and I would bring a contrite spirit. But here, the beauty of David's prayer of confession here. And here's what I'm going to do. We're going to read this. Then we're going to kind of play in the background. But we're going to let you guys on the back write a prayer of confession during a time of just silence and space. To write maybe where you're falling short and to take... David's blueprint here, not to stay, man, I suck. I'm going to leave here feeling like I suck. Yes, there's a sense of remorse. Yes, there's something to be contrite about. But then there is God. I want to be closer to you, and I want to help others be closer to you. And then we'll take communion, and then we'll have a closing song. But I'm going to read this, and then we're just going to take space. Give you and I space to write something out to God on the back of this. Psalm 51, which is, if you see the, the title at the top, 
a psalm of David when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone uh, into Bathsheba. The story I just told, the, the, the sin, the wickedness that was inside of David that, that did all of that, one compromise at a time. Now he's been caught. Now he knows. God knows this full well. And so he writes this prayer. Have mercy because my God is merciful. On me, O oh God, according to what? Your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, 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 blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse, cleanse me from my sin. For I know that my transgressions and, I, and my sin that is ever before me. Who has David sinned against? What's his attitude? This, this perfect, this loving God, his sin is not just get against a wife. His sin is not just against the nation. His sin is first and foremost against you and you only have I sinned. And done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. No one taught me to sin. I just kind of do it. And in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being. You teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let, let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out all of my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. And renew a right spirit. Bring me back to that place within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. And then I will teach transgressors your ways. And sinners will return to you. That God still wants to use you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation. And, the tongue, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips. And my mouth will declare your praise. That's not where Satan wants you to get to. But it's where God wants to lead you. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are what? A broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in right sacrifices and burnt offerings and, and, and whole burnt offerings. Then bowls will be offered on your altar. So take a few moments. If you want to write down a prayer, please write down a prayer. If you don't, take a few moments to, to do business with God. But I hope and I pray that doing business with God will lead you to a place where you have the joy of God who meets you with his merciful spirit. In a moment, we'll take communion. Oh, 
God, I, Lord, I thank you that you are all-knowing. And in being all-knowing, Lord, what grace and what mercy that you don't scream at me to stay away. In being all-knowing and knowing everything about me from thought to word to deed, Father, you invite me to confess, to be on the same page at you as you, not to... Father, I deserve to be struck down and struck dead. And you would be right in that. You would be just in that. And yet you welcome me. You invite me, Father. You want a relationship, Father. You want that word that we looked at, Father. You want fellowship with me. Who am I? And who are you that you would be so merciful? <laughs> Father, I do thank you for your goodness. Lord, the safest place in the world should be here to confess sin because, Father, you are safe. You are safe for your children. Those that call on your name, Father, you are safe. Ultimately, you are safe. And so, Father, would we, your children, find safety in your arms, not to keep on keeping on, but, Father, to be more like your son. In your name, amen. You guys can grab that communion cup. I want to take a moment to lead us in this time of remembering what makes my God safe and, what, and remind us through the act of communion, which my God told us to do regularly, of his gospel message before we go into a song and declare it with our mouth. That on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, he broke it, and he passed it to his friends, all who had their own garbage in life, and yet all in need of a Savior that he offered to be for them. And he broke bread, and he said, as often as you get together, break this bread in remembrance of my body being broken for you. Let's take the bread. In the same way, he took a cup, he passed it around, 
And he said, as often as you take this cup, remember that my blood is spilt for you. Let's take the cup together. Would you guys stand and let me pray over us before we go into the song? God, Lord, as we stand in truth, Father, that's what we do, right? You stand in truth. Father, as we, as we stand, Father, I, as we're in that posture of standing, Lord, I do, I do, Father, uh, th that scripture, Holy Spirit, that you bring to my mind right now of, of I think it's Revelation 5, Lord, where, where it looked like you were beaten. It looked like you were slain, Father. The, the Lamb of God that is our sacrifice, Father, that our sin that needed a sacrifice, was not left without a sacrifice, but you came to earth to be the sacrifice. And here's this picture, Father, that you looked as if you were slain, but you're standing, standing in victory, Father. And as we take communion, as we confess, Father, we, we throw our praise in the face of the enemy that says, Jesus, you can have my sin. I confess I'm on the same page as the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, and I will move forward not stay in the grave. To you be praised, to you be the glory, Father. In your name, amen. Let's sing.